Well, hey, you guys, welcome to the Connection Point Worldview Podcast. I'm Pastor Ron. I'm here, as always, with Pastor Dr. Zach Breitenbach and Pastor Trey Shigley. They head up our Worldview Department here at Connection Point Christian Church in central Indiana, and they've been teaching some phenomenal material to our students. But this podcast is designed to take you as a parent or a guardian deeper into places where your students have already gone. So you guys have just started a series with the high schoolers called How Great Is Our God and talking about some of the attributes of of God. So um, in the high school student ministry, uh, that's the series that you're diving in on. Can you give us an overview of the series and maybe describe uh, what you're hoping students will get out of it? Yes. So uh, the name of the series is How Great Is Our God? And this kind of stems back to when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he essentially said, well, love God. Uh, the question is, well, what does it mean to love God? Like, how, how do you how do you love God? Like, I know how to love, you know, my dog or parents or wife, but how do you love God? And so this series is looking at the attributes of God um, so that it can cause us to love him more, um, but then also to know who it is we're loving and because you can't love a stranger. And so um, that's kind of where this series is stemming from. And so in this first week we just did, we're talking about this idea. What does it mean to love God? And then introducing the first kind of quality of God we're looking at and studying, which is God being all powerful. Uh, and then week two, we're going to talk about how God is perfectly good and how he's perfectly loving. Those kind of two qualities. Week three, we'll be talking about how it, God is spirit and uh, he's present everywhere. And then week four, uh, oh yeah, and, and week three, how he's all-knowing too, because mm-hmm. that's kind of an important part of of being spirit and present and um, all that. And then week four is being uh, eternal and uncreated. And then how do all these qualities lead us to love him more is kind of the core of why we're looking at these qualities in the first place. That's great. So you began week one by talking about what it means to love God. Uh, you admitted that it isn't always obvious, even to someone who's raised in the church, and you always hear about loving God, like you just said. So um, how did you approach this? Yeah, this was a personal struggle uh, for me, uh, Zach. Uh, growing up, I became a Christian in middle school, and uh, I was going to church from the time I was a baby. Uh, and I always heard you know, about loving God and having a personal relationship with God, uh, and it seemed like everyone just thought it was obvious what that meant and how that worked, but it, it was never obvious to me. And I struggled uh, well into college with trying to understand what does it mean to love God. And um, so I, I, I posed that to uh, the students, and these, these uh, worldview talks are very interactive. So we did a lot of table discussion, just letting them kind of start thinking about what they think it means to love God and mm-hmm. get their brains working and then we moved into starting to talk about uh, what we look for in a relationship with with a human person, right? And uh, and and comparing that to to what it means to to love God. Um, so we talked about um, several things you'd be looking for when you're first introduced to someone. You're trying to get to know: do they have qualities that I'm looking for in a friend? And kind of brainstorm what some of those would be. You know, like are you a person of character? Do you have you know, great qualities like being kind, compassionate, loyal. 
Um, do you really care about me and other people or just, just yourself? Uh, are you trustworthy? Um, are you willing to have ongoing communication with me and really invest in my life? Um, do you make me, uh, lead me toward being a better person or kind of lead me toward a bad direction? Um, these, these would be things I know I would be looking for, uh, as I get to know someone. And then we started talking about, okay, well, how is it similar with God and, and maybe how is it different too in some ways? Just trying to kind of get our minds around this, this concept of getting to know God. And so we talked about how there are some real similarities uh, between getting to know a human and getting to know God. Um, you want to get to know what God is really like and see if his qualities really uh, draw me to him. Not just his qualities, but his actions. What, what has he done uh, for me, for others, and uh, do these uh, actions draw me to him? Does God even see me? Does he care about me? Does he want to get to know me? Does he love me? Uh, is it worth investing my time and effort in God? Can I trust him? Um, do I enjoy his company? Do I want to be with him for eternity? Um, I can communicate with God just like I can with a friend. He has an active role in my life. So there's a lot of similarities. But then, of course, there are differences, too. Uh, we don't physically uh, see God and usually don't hear his audible voice. Um, God is not our peer, right? And you get to know a, a human friend, they are at your level. And God has all these omni qualities, and he is far beyond us, and yet he still loves us and wants to get to know us. Um, he won't let us down in the way that a friend will. Um, he's also our judge and our savior, which isn't really true about our human friends. So there's <laughs> there's some difference, some different dynamics to this relationship, but there was a lot of uh, similarities as well. So I wanted to just get us thinking uh, down that path of what does it really mean to get to know God and love God and, uh, and that sort of thing. So next you pointed out the connection between uh, knowing all about what someone is like and really knowing that person. So explain that for us and how that relates to uh, this series. Yeah, it, we all know it's a massive difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing somebody themselves. So if you take, uh, let's take Taylor Swift, for example, you might know all of her songs. <laughs> you might know her bio. You, you got her Wikipedia page down. You, you managed to grab tickets somehow to her concert. And uh, you just know everything about her. You follow her on all social media platforms, even ones that haven't been invented yet. And it's like you're, you're the mega fan, right? You know about Taylor Swift but you don't know Taylor Swift. And there's a huge difference in, between knowing about someone and actually knowing somebody themselves because that takes uh, actually uh, being with someone, having a relationship with someone. And so it's necessary uh, to have a real loving relationship with someone. You can't just know about them. You actually need to get to know them themselves. And so that's kind of the, the difference between knowing about someone and uh, knowing someone themselves. So you then highlighted God's greatest command and hit on key highlights of the Bible's teaching on what it means to love God. So can you break that down for us? Yeah. So um, God or Jesus was asked, uh, what is the greatest command? And he didn't say, you know, what do you mean? They're, mm. they're all the same. Mm. Uh, he said, no, there is a greatest command. Um, and it's it's uh, he quotes Deuteronomy six. Uh, the, the Shema, uh, which even to this day is, is the most uh, cited passage uh, by Jews uh, of the Hebrew Bible. 
And, and Jesus says, uh, yeah, I'll give you the greatest command. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So the greatest command is to love God with our whole self and be all in, right? So uh, we're talking about our heart, our emotions, our feelings, also our mind, our intellect, our beliefs, uh, our soul, our inner self, our will, uh, our strength, our physical body, our actions, our words, um, everything that we are needs to be directed toward uh, loving God. And the second greatest command is, is to love others. And so this kind of led into talking about um, what I struggled with, with so for so many years about what does it really mean to love God? And, and we, we surveyed this quickly, but I'm going to, I'm going to quickly kind of summarize what, what I take the Bible to be saying about that, at least some key points of, of loving God. Um, one is knowledge, right? Um, uh, as, as Trey was just saying, uh, there's a difference between uh, knowing about someone, even God, and really knowing someone. And so knowledge of God is not enough for a relationship, but it's an important starting point. In fact, it's a necessary starting point. You can't say you know somebody. Like if you did know Taylor Swift, you, you couldn't really say that if, if you know, you didn't know anything about her. Like it's, it's what we might call a necessary condition, but not sufficient. So um, same with God, right? Being in awe of God's qualities and what God has done is not enough for a love relationship with God, but it's absolutely necessary for it. Um, so we have to have that knowledge, and, and that's a huge part of what this series is about and why we're doing it. We want students to know what God is like and his qualities because that's necessary for loving God. It's not enough, but it's a very critical step in it. Um, another critical step to loving God is application. Besides knowledge, you have to apply to yourself the truth of who God is and what he's done. So it's not enough just to know it. You have to uh, reflect on it and say, how does that uh, change the way I think about God? How does that change the way I relate to him? How does that apply to me and how I relate to God? And that's another crucial part of this series. For every attribute we look at, we're going to apply that uh, to ourselves. So that's what we're really hitting on the, in the series. But there's more to loving God than just knowledge and application. There's also a response. Uh, you have to decide you want to return God's love and you want to be with him. It's not enough to know he loves you and he's got these great qualities. He's worthy of love. You can still reject him. You have to respond to that. You have to make that decision. Part of that is also obedience. You have to stop being a rebel. You have to lay down your arms. You have to decide, I love God more than my sin. And Jesus says that too. He says, if you love me, uh, you will obey my commands. Uh, so that is a crucial part of loving God is, is obedience. Then, of course, just like with anyone else, spending time uh, and communication. You, you, usually, if you love somebody, you're going to want to spend time with them, and you want to talk to them, and you want to hear from them. And it's the same with God. And it shouldn't be uh, a chore, at least ultimately. It may start out that way. Um, but we, we, you know, ideally, if you love someone, you, you don't see it as a chore to spend time and, and to communicate also, praise and worship should start to flow as you come to love God and you trust him more and you see what he's done in your life. Uh, so worship and trust are part of this, loving God. And then as the greatest command says, is what Jesus said, 
you should be all in. All areas of your life should be directed by a love of God. Your whole self, every area of your life, including you know your your school, your work, your relationships, your your entertainment and movies, uh, sports, music, whatever. Everything you do and think about should be directed by a love of God. It should not just be you do the God thing in church or maybe part of your week, and then the rest of your week God has very little to do with your life. If you really love God, you love him with your whole self. That's mm-hmm. the greatest command. Um, and this may begin with a decision and not a feeling because it's a command. You can't really command feelings, uh, but it is the greatest command. It's commanded to love God and others. And so we may have to start off uh, just making a decision to, to do this. But as you do these things and you grow in um, your connection to God, hopefully the feelings will, uh, will come I- as well. Okay, so now to the actual attributes of God. You, uh, you're going to cover those in this series, but you start with the first attribute, God is omnipotent. What's this attribute of God, and then how did you introduce it? Yeah, so omnipotent. That means uh, it, it's a combination of two words, omni, which means all, potent, which means powerful. And so it's, it means that God is all-powerful. And we talked about how uh, there's something hardwired in us when we see maybe things are going wrong in the world. Like we wish we had the power to be able to do something or to fix things. And maybe this is why we're so obsessed with superhero movies. You know, we love seeing superheroes who have more power than us solving problems that we would not be able to solve. And uh, we're kind of drawn to people um, like the Avengers or like Superman. And so we're looking at God and how he is like Superman is nothing compared to God and, and God's power. And so that's kind of what we're looking at um, uh, in this session with our students and uh, what we're talking about today. And that there's so what that essentially means is that there's nothing beyond God's ability to do. And there's no force. There's no power that's beyond God's power. There's nothing more powerful than him. There's nothing too hard for him. That's awesome. So you surveyed then some key biblical teaching on God being all-powerful, and you highlighted three main points. What were those three biblical teachings? Yeah, so the first one, we uh, we talked about how the Bible says one of God's names. There's a number of God's names that the Bible uh, describes God having. Uh, they, they give us some idea of what he's like. Uh, one of those names is El Shaddai. In, in addition to being an Amy Grant song, which I actually really like, and that's kind of an older one. I played it a clip of it for the students, and I don't think many of them had ever heard it, which is fine. <laughs> they didn't join you in the no, love. No, no. But uh, in addition to being an Amy Grant song, it, it's a name of God given in the Bible that literally means God Almighty. So the first biblical point we talked about is God is Almighty. He He is literally given that name. Uh, so Genesis 17, 1 to 2 is one of these passages where uh, that name is used. So um, God comes to Abraham and says, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Uh, and he, he goes on to talk about how he's going to make this covenant with, with Abraham. But he, he calls himself God Almighty, El Shaddai. Revelation in the New Testament also says, um, God says, I am the Almighty, Revelation 1.8. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the one who was and is and is to come, the Almighty. Um, a second biblical point, besides God being Almighty, 
um, is that God spoke the universe into existence. And it's hard to imagine anything uh, requiring more power than that, right? Mm. To take, he, he didn't have starting materials and he sort of shaped it. Um, he, he created the starting materials from, from nothing. And the Bible talks about this. It says in Psalm 33, uh, 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. And in that passage it goes on to say how God spoke and things came to be. He commanded and they, they stood firm. Um, and, and in Romans four seventeen. It says God not only gives life to the dead, but He calls into existence the things that do not exist. So He, the the fancy theological uh, term for this would be creation ex nihilo, to use some more Latin words. But basically, creation from nothing. That's what that means. The Bible teaches that God calls into existence things that do not exist. That's that's just unimaginable power. And we we lo- looked at a little video just surveying the massive size and scale of the universe. It's just incredible that God could speak that into existence. Uh, The third point from the Bible that we surveyed is nothing is too hard for God. Um, In Genesis 18, again with Abraham, um, uh, his wife Sarah, Abraham's wife, didn't believe God that she was going to have a kid in her extreme old age, which I guess is kind of understandable why she would hesitate. But God was like, hey, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. This is going to happen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And Jeremiah sort of answers this rhetorical question in Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. He says, nothing is too hard for you, Lord. He says, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Nothing is too hard for you. So, um, those were some of the p- biblical teachings. God's name being God Almighty, the creation of the universe from nothing, and then it just literally says uh, nothing is, is too hard for God. He can do all things. So you mentioned one objection, though, that someone might raise to God's omnipotence. If God's all-powerful, then shouldn't he be able to lie? You know, Hebrews 6.18 says it's impossible for God to lie. Shouldn't God be able to torture us all for fun and evil if he can literally do all things? The proverbial, couldn't he make a rock so big that he himself couldn't lift it? I mean, that. can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great point because it's in the Bible. It says it's impossible for God to lie, Like, <laughs> but we're saying nothing's impossible. Like, how does that... How does that work together? And it, it's not necessarily that God is too weak to lie. It's that he's too good to lie. He will not violate his own nature. And uh, it's another quality of God. We're going to look at a different week. But that he is, he is perfectly good. And lying is not good. And so God will not do that. Uh, it's not a limitation on his power. It reveals actually his goodness, his perfection. Uh, it's not that he, he can't do evil. He won't do evil because he is so perfectly good. It's not because it's too hard. His goodness and his power are fused. At all times, God doesn't switch on and off his qualities. He is all of his qualities all the time, fully embodying them. And that's how good he is. Love that. And and on the rock question that yes. you brought up, <laughs> I, I didn't cover it. I had that in, in there. <laughs> I took it out. But... I, I, one other objection, and I'll just briefly mention it, yeah, is, is this idea of can God do things that seem like logically impossible, you know, like create a square circle, 
create a married <laughs> bachelor. Create a rock that's so big that that he can't lift it. Well, no, but this is again is not a limitation on God's power. There cannot be a square circle. You cannot have a shape that has corners and doesn't have corners. You cannot create someone who is both married and not married at the same time. This is not a thing to create. This is this is nonsense. This is a logical uh, incoherence, right? Uh, same with the the rock, even though that is a thing that comes up a lot. Uh, it's there cannot be a rock which is a finite thing with limited dimensions. A certain, it's a, it, it wouldn't be a rock if it wasn't finite, right? It has to have a certain weight, a certain height, depth, width, right. certain dimensions. Even if it's the size of 10 universes, it's got it, if it's a rock, it's got to be finite in size in some way. Right. You, there cannot be a finite object that an infinitely powerful being cannot lift, right? <laughs> so it's not a limitation on God's power that he can't uh, create a rock too big for him to lift. It's almost like asking, like, if God arm-wrestled himself, who would win, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's, <laughs> I don't find that to be a very serious objection, yeah. personally. Yeah, so you wrap this up with a personal application showing how uh, God's omnipotence matters to us in terms of how we relate to God and why we should love God. So take us home by summarizing that for us. Yeah, yeah. So uh, – few applications. There's so many that we could list, but we kind of mentioned four. And so we'll, we'll run through a few. I'll, I'll do the first two. But the first that we mentioned is it should humble us and it should prompt us to trust God more. In the grand scheme of things, uh, we control very little in our lives. And uh, so many of us have so much anxiety because we care for things uh, as my wife, she's a, she's a therapist, but she talks about when your circle of concern is larger than your circle of control, uh, that causes anxiety, right? And uh, so there's a lot of things out of our power, but there's nothing out of God's power. And so that should humble us, um, but not cause us to despair, but actually cause us to trust God more, uh, to realize there are so many things out of our control, but there's nothing out of God's control. Um, and then another application is that God can empower us he can actually give us power to do the things he's planned for us. If God wants us to do something, he's not going to leave us hanging. He's going to give us everything we need to do it. So if God wants us to live lives of holiness, he will give us everything we need to say no to sin and yes to holiness. And uh, if he's asking us to, uh, whether that's love others or to do something more specific, he can and will empower us uh, to do it. He is willing and he is able to give us the power to do the things that he has planned for us. And a couple other applications. Uh, one one is that we should really be in awe of God. As we talked about with the creation of the universe, um, it should just blow your mind when you think about the power that God has. I mean, it's it's like if you're, if you're in awe of the power of um, say, or just the the magnificence of, of say, a human being, right? You, you uh, an incredible singer that just gives you chills or just a, an, an athlete like LeBron James is just so powerful and athletic. And you look at this and you're like, wow, that is just insane. It, it almost, it, it's just amazing. Uh, how much more should you be in awe of the God who made those people, right? Or you see a volcano or an atomic bomb, the power of these things, and you're like, that's nothing compared to God, right? And I can talk to God. I can have a relationship with this God who is more powerful than I can ever comprehend. I mean, it really should blow our minds. And then the last application we talked about is 
we should pray bigger and expect more when we think about how God is all-powerful. Um, think of some seemingly impossible prayers and uh, ask for God to do those things because he can. There's nothing you can possibly ask for that's too hard for God. Now, that doesn't mean everything you're going to ask for is going to be in line with his will, but uh, those things that are in line with his will, there's nothing impossible for God. There's nothing too hard for him. So pray bigger, expect more. I know this is something I need to work on because sometimes I'll think, well, I'll knock that prayer down a few notches because, you know, that's maybe more reasonable of a thing to ask God for rather than just go ahead and ask him for the thing that seems crazy impossible to you. Um, so don't put God in a box just because we're limited uh, and we can't see how God could do things because we can't do them. Just pray. Just ask for those things. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. I'm excited for the uh, next attributes and uh, more that you can share with us to help equip us. If you got questions about the church, then you can go to cp.church for more information online. Good place to get some questions answered, get pointed in the right direction if you need some help. Otherwise, hang in there. We'll be back with another episode with more helpful tools for you before you know it. God bless.